All right. It's 11-10 East Coast time Sunday night. The Celtics just dropped game three, 128-102. Hi, I'm Cameron Tepchabai. Welcome to the Celtics Up Podcast. We are brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sports book and the wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network and BetterHelp. You deserve to be happy. I'm here with Dr. Justin Quinn, who is sad because he writes about the Celtics. And I'm here with Kyle Russell of the Heater's Gonna Heat podcast, who is happy because he podcasts about the heat. So Kyle and Justin, what we're going to do is we're going to give the Celtics perspective and the heat perspective, and we're going to answer what is now an age old question. Did the Celtics lose or did the heat win? Kyle, our guest, how are you? Uh, obviously doing fantastic right now. I'm, I'm riding a little bit of a euphoric high. I mean, you're, you're up three in the conference finals. I don't, I would, it would be wrong if I didn't feel happy right now. How about y'all though? Uh, I'm uh, pretty happy for our listeners who do take us up on the FanDuel stuff uh, because they have that no sweat first bet. Uh, so if they were betting on the Celtics, then maybe they were even more depressed. So that was mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. I am someone who loves the NBA first and foremost. And Jimmy Butler and the eight-seeded Heat barnstorming their way through the East makes for really, really, really compelling basketball. But I also grew up a Celtics fan and there is money in my pocket because I talk about Celtics games and people click way more often when they win and certainly way more often when they're still in the playoffs. So I'm not excited about this outcome, if we're being perfectly honest. Um, but I think I know how uh, you as a uh, alum of Pitt felt watching Kemba Walker just do the unbelievable because we're witnessing it in a different league. Yeah. Um, shout out to Justin Champagne who Marcus Smart took his garbage time minutes because uh, I don't know why actually well maybe we'll get an answer question while we're on the air um, but let me let me bring that back which is again my more neutral stance is what the Heat are doing is really cool and I, I genuinely don't have the answer as we sit here right now did the Heat destroy the Celtics or did the Celtics destroy themselves so Kyle and Justin that's what you're going to answer for us so let's Let's do this. I have the answer already. It's yes. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, like uh, my old We're history advisor. See you later. Well, my, <laughs> my old college advisor used to say the best answer to any history question is it depends. So let's start with this. Um, Kyle, give us the first half summary from a Heat perspective. And Justin, I'll, I'll ask for our first half summary from a Celtics perspective. Because things really went wonky in the third quarter, but they were pretty wonky in that first half. So for the first half, I think what I really saw from Miami was a lot of the role players stepping up, especially near the end of the second quarter when they started to double team Jimmy a little bit more. I think that's where the Celtics were able to get on a little bit of a run and start to do something there. But they went to that because through most of the first half, they still were not doubling Jimmy Butler, which was allowing him to just kick out and get the role players going. So, uh, I guess like the Celtics, I remember them having a little bit of momentum going into the half, but that didn't have me a little bit anxious, uh, even though for the most part, the first half was still primarily uh, the Miami Heat. But that, that was where I was I was watching at that point in time. But Okay. Justin, what's, yeah, what's the Celtics side of the street here? Oh, boy. I mean, it's just the game. When I say the game, I mean the one that we watched in Oklahoma City the one that we watched in Houston, the one that we watched several uh, 
game episodes of uh, the last round of the playoffs against the Philadelphia 76ers. It is not enough three-pointers, not enough ball movement, no effort on defense, no physicality, no playing together, no doubling, no cohesive game plan, no stops. Yes, I know timeouts are not going to be the answer here, and yes, I know they are not the problem with the players, uh, but, I mean, where do you want me to start? I mean, we've. <laughs> I could just, I could just edit in the last episode, large chunks of what I was describing happening in the last game and this game. And to say the reason why I said yes and jest earlier wasn't entirely in jest because the Miami Heat used good coaching, good defense, good offense, uh, cohesiveness, playing for each other, effort, all of this together in a way that absolutely smacked the Celtics in a very predictable way. They attacked more than anything the perimeter to stop their ability to shoot three-pointers effectively. And the Celtics could just not figure out anything else because it doesn't look like they really want to fight for each other other than a couple of people. Al, when he still had legs, smart on most nights. Grant, that's all I have. The two players who are leading the Celtics in fourth quarter scoring this series are Peyton Pritchard and Grant Williams. Um, So we're still in the first half of this game, and I thought that that BAM lob from Duncan Robinson that's when it was so clear that the Celtics were going to lose because first of all it was just like so emphatic and confident but also it was like the third straight possession that Duncan Robinson had cooked the Celtics and shout out to Williams shout out to you know uh, Massachusetts cutting your teeth in Massachusetts but like yeah Dr. Quinn there was just such a a lack of care and a, a lack of intensity and Miami the role players are such dogs. Gabe Vincent is a dog and Caleb Martin is a dog. And obviously Jimmy Butler is a dog. It's just the, I, I don't know if I, I, I suspect it's not coaching uh, a, because we have so many other times where this it's coaching. Is, no, 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 no. It's coaching. It's not all coaching, but coaching is a part of it. I reject that. I'm a teacher. When my students show up ill-prepared consistently. It, Let it, it, me it, keep going. Let me read you something though. Surely. I, I just, I just, I don't think I, it's coaching. And so far, some of the choices around X's and O's matters, but if Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown so desperately need a coach to fire them up, they're not ready for it. They're not a canned halftime speech away from arriving. No, if, but let me interrupt because that is where you are taking this the wrong way. Uh, Quoting from uh, a friend uh, on Twitter, Gavin, uh, the players all have no confidence that this can be turned around. And ultimately, that is a coaching sensitive problem. If they had confidence in him, they'd be they'd have more confidence in themselves, but feel like they're dragging him along rather than following him. We've seen signs of this. We've heard that they are pushing him to do things which make sense. He's reluctant to do them. Uh, he's reluctant to change in game and game to game when there are things that are seemingly pretty obvious to people who have much better basketball minds than mine is. And all of these things taken together, plus the impossible position he was put in. I do think Joel Mazzola is a brilliant tactician. He did not train this team uh, tactically more than one way. Maybe that's all he thought he had time to do, given the circumstances. Maybe the, the, the odds were stacked against him from the beginning. But at this point, with that performance and this season, 
I don't think you can't you can say that it isn't at least partially significantly coaching that doesn't absolve the players of the many things which are the majority of the problem we've just witnessed. But to say that Joe Mazzola is not part of the problem, I think, is not being honest. And that is being juxtapositioned to who he's going up against in the coaching department is where Eric Spolstra, where, like you're saying, if there's conflict between the players and the coach on what needs to be done, then that's something that the Heat can seize in on. And yeah, it's just, it's execution. So Spolster, going up against Spolster as well is a very bad matchup to have those kind of coaching problems against. He was saying, I mean, he's on air. They they made it so the PR allowed them to air him saying, just stop them from shooting threes. That's all they've got. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I, I just, we have, again, we have a lot of, background with this Celtics group um, with different coaches playing different teams. Oh, no, no, cons- you're not wrong about any of that. Yeah. But- and it could some- still be they're just young, too, because, what, Jalen's yeah, I mean, 26 or so? And usually the average. And- yeah. It is. Well, well, none of those true. things are wrong. But we, uh, my point is not that Joe Mazzulla is the cause, but he is a problem that needs to be solved. And I am not confident, based on what we have seen this season in, in this game, that he should be without at least at the very least a championship coach on the roster with him as an assistant, which there's so just, much to talk about. I, I, I just, I think that the coaching conversation is anachronistic to what the NBA is and how basketball is played. Like I I'm sick of, Joe Mazzulla and the town discourse and timeout discourse. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are all NBA players. They're about to get a quarter of a billion dollars and they are coming up short. Like at the fa- at the end of the day, this like minutia around timeouts or like was Joe Mazzulla ready? Should Ime Odoka have gotten the job? It's like, no. No, no I didn't say anything about Ime Odoka no, 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 I'm not saying you. I'm, I'm not saying you. I'm saying just like writ large the conversation. Oh, no, no, yeah. No, there, there are people who are taking the coaching thing way, way too far. Don't get me wrong. It's like... At the very most, fifteen or twenty percent of the problem. If we're going to put some arbitrary numbers in there, but it's it's not a non-factor, is what I'm trying to say. But you're right; it is being taken but the, but it's part of the equation. But like, yeah. it's the tenth most interesting factor. It's such a like, why, why, why do we spend all season long pillaging Jalen Brown and and running him out of town and pillaging Jason Tatum and questioning him in big fat Boston Globe headlines? And now that the season is on the line, all we care to do is talk about the the coach and Al Horford's legs. It's like, no, the answer is staring right in front of us. It's the same reason the Heat lost to the Mavericks. Yes. What is it? The star players are are freakishly inadequate right now. Like, so, I mean, in terms of efficacy, what do you do when your star players are not up to the task? You either you lose basketball games in the NBA. Yeah, yeah no, totally. But you, you have to do things about that, like hire people to help you. I mean, honestly, at this point, you know, I don't mean to keep going back to Missoula, but Brad Stevens allowed this team to go into the postseason with – a coaching bench that is the size of a 1980s coaching bench, you know, like literally half the size of most of the other teams in the NBA with a guy who has absolutely no experience at this level. Now I know we need to talk more about the players and we should talk more about the players, but we do need to have a conversation, probably not tonight, but about what's going to happen in the future because they can't just keep moving forward with this level of experience. I just I think Joe Mazzulla is going to lose his job because Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown laid an egg, and I think yeah. that that's horse that that's horseshit. 
It's not. No, I don't know if it is because I don't really know that he's necessarily ready. He might not. He might have gotten a job like this, but he didn't get the job the first time. He was up for along with Ime Adoka when that was was happening, and they chose against him. Yes, they they you know gassed us up and said, "I don't want to spend too much time on this." But there is a very good case to be made that Joe was not ready for a multitude of reasons. So again, we we can't absolve him. But let's talk about the players. I just throw that out there real quick as uh, this out there real quick as well. This, if you're going to make that move, this is the summer to make that move with the amount of head quality head coaches yeah. available. So even I think as what we're seeing is, just, yeah, I think what we're seeing is just his limitations as a first year head coach, which isn't bad. No, I mean he's, he's generally yeah. tactically, and when things are not going really sideways, generally speaking, a good coach. But the problem is in this context, expectations with the players he has. It might have just been just, an impossible task. I think that, that that's impossible. That's not true. They're so much more talented and the but players if it was, are... No, I think it is true because as you have pointed out, Ime Adoka had the same problem. Brad Stevens had the same problem. So, I mean... That's what I mean. It's are, the players. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, coupled with the experience factor, it was an impossible task. Maybe. Maybe this is a fundamentally flawed group of players i mean I, I kind of reject that insofar as they were up in the nba finals last season and they should have the stones to have learned from that but if how did they get the there? Le- with offense no they got there with defense but they didn't play defense tonight and the they players have not played defense good this season for much of the season either yeah but yeah, the beginning I, was mainly the offense yeah but that's I, that's how many times this season have we been told post game that like oh players are just like going rogue and calling their own number on double teams. Like maybe a, uh, a different coach tamps that down a little bit, but like, look, if players are making are acting like dipshits on defense, I don't want them. I don't want the suggestion that like a coach can solve that. They're, that they're individuals with agency again. Like I'll go back to my students. Like there's only so much responsibility I ought to have over my students actions. Mm -hmm. I can lead them to water, but if they, drink it up and spit it out at a certain point that's on them and i just I, again like what we just saw tonight was a boston's players completely not taking care of their business and b miami's players fully taking care of their business spolster didn't shoot 60 percent from the field for most of the game the heat players shot 60 percent from the field for most of the game but let me interrupt you because i know the emotions are flowing through you like the dark side but Let's talk to Kyle about, uh, do you think that this team has currently constructed based on what you have seen, do you think that there are changes that need to be made and what are they? If so. Uh, for this, for the Celtics. Yeah. I do think, I do think there, there definitely still needs to be a coaching discussion. And, but to Cameron's point though, there also does need a little bit of discussion of the players. Cause like we talked a little bit beforehand, the only player that actually looked like they wanted to get out there and compete tonight was Grant Williams. And if you're not getting that kind of fight out of your all NBA players, that's a little bit of a problem. Whether whether you want to put whether you want to put more of that on them or in their age, or if you want to put that on the coach, uh, that's fine. But I do think you need to have the coaching discussion. And after that, Kind of just then you have to go into the offseason, and it may just depend upon if some superstar becomes available. Then maybe you seize on that opportunity to split this and say, Hey, this experiment's over, or maybe that doesn't become available. 
and you give Joe Missoula a full offseason to actually try what it is, what he actually is wants to implement. Because it does need to be mentioned that it was what, like late August, September or something? Sept- when that, late September. Oh, September, yeah. yeah. So he didn't even get the offseason to plan out what he wanted to be as a head coach. So I think either way, there, there's still reason to be optimistic going into the summer for, for the Celtics. Okay, I like it. Yeah. I'm going to pause the action and talk about our friends over at FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Kyle, you talked about it. There's a lot of uh, very fascinating head coaches out there, and I'm sure if the Celtics decide to make a move or the Lakers, we're also down 3-0, decide to – but no chatter about the coach for some reason – decide to make a move. Um, Yeah, they're being outplayed and they're – their players are not up to task, but whatever. Um, if there's some coaching movement and you want to get in on that action, you should make sure that you check out uh, the most reputable app in the biz. There's no better place to bet all the playoff action or coaching change action than America's number one sports book. Visit fanduel.com slash Boston and get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's fanduel.com slash Boston. Fanduel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. You must be 21 in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 direct deposit is is required. A refund is issued as a non-withdrawable bonus bet that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement under Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1 800 Next Step or text Next Step 253342 for Arizona, 1 789 7777, or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut, 1 809 With It for Indiana, 1 800 522 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com for Kansas, 1 877 Stop in Louisiana. Gambling help line ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support for Massachusetts. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467369 for New York. Call 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Alrighty. Kyle, what about this heat team has been activated in the postseason that we weren't seeing in the regular season. I know health was somewhat of a concern, but like how has Miami completely gone from first to sixth gear here? So uh, I guess like probably the thing that if I were to explain what this run really was that comes to mind is this feels like a repeat of what Miami did in the 16 to 17 season, which for a refresher, LeBron left in 14 Chris Bosch gets his blood second blood clots in 16. Dwayne Wade leaves that summer in 16. So first year after that, they start out 11 and 30. And then that January, they start buying in, winning a few games. They get a big win against the Golden State Warriors first year of the Durant era. And from then they go on a 30 and 11 finish. It was crazy. It was just like all of a sudden a flip just switched. And what happened was everybody just bought into what Spolstra was trying to get them to do. And they literally became just a whole greater than the sum of the parts. And the difference between that team, which did ultimately fall short of making the playoffs, and this one, though, is just better quality players. Rather than James Johnson then, it's Bam Adebayo Mm -hmm. now. 
rather than Justice Winslow, then it's Jimmy Butler. Shoot, rather than Hassan Whiteside, it's Cody Zeller. I mean, yeah, Cody, Cody Zeller has been so good. He's been phenomenal. So it's, but it's that same thing, right? Because you watch the games, and yes, you can very clearly tell that the other team is arguably more talented, but one team is playing like a whole greater than the sum of their parts. And that goes from Spolstra down to the players. It's just both of them being on the exact same page. And in a way, I think this is, I haven't seen anything like this at this level since like the 14 Spurs, which I was on the receiving end of that. So I saw that very well, but that's my take on, I think what Miami has done, just just literally coming together and being a basketball team. I would like to push back on the narrative of the Celtics being the more talented team because the Celtics were quote unquote, the more talented team in 2022 finals. And as several people have pointed out, uh, being able to win, like finding what it, what it takes to win at the highest levels is a talent. And the Celtics do not have that talent. Yeah. And it'll be interesting, Kyle, to your point that the, the era of change that you're alluding to Boston might be on the precipice of that. Jalen Brown is up for a contract extension this summer. And because he made all NBA, it's a daunting number for him to even consider turning down five years and almost $300 million. And he's going to have a lot of decision-making power. I think truly the only person who gets to decide whether or not they move on from the coach is Jalen Brown, because if they make the wrong choice and he says, fuck that, I'm walking. He says, fuck that, I'm walking. So he's not going to say that he'll sign the check, take it to the bank. And then he'll say, please get me out of here. But before he does that, he's going to voice his concern over the coach. I mean, Jason Tatum gets to weigh in too, but I think Jalen Brown has incredible leverage over what happens next for the Celtics because the ultimate currency in the NBA is point forward wings. And maybe Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum aren't worth paying that money, but the, that thought experiment quickly falls apart when you try to figure out who are you going to spend that money on instead. So I don't think the Celtics are about to be in that era of change that you just identified with the heat. Um, but certainly the, the amount of spit that Miami has in its collective eye is just on another level than the Celtics, because it's not that the Celtics wilted like orchids. They never even flowered. I mean, it's yeah. just been a flabbergasting. I'm barring I mean, a miracle change. Like unless the Celtics find a way to win at least one game in this series, which I am starting to doubt. Uh, I do think that some fairly significant changes are going to come to this roster. I don't know what they're going to be. I don't know how aggressive they're going to be using the picks that they have left. Maybe fairly aggressive. Maybe they're going to, I don't know. I'm not going to speculate on too much, but I don't, I don't see how you can look at what we just saw and not think that there needs to be some personnel changes to your point, Cam, uh, for some people who have a more proven track record of doing what the Celtics are trying to do. Yeah. I mean, if, I I, I, th- I just think it's the Jays. Like, if if your star players are going to command that much of the cap, they need to command that, ma- that many touches and that many points. And they are so consistently ineffective at truly making positive impacts on the game when they don't have it going. Tatum can rebound and sometimes he can pass, but he is not. I mean, we've seen championship quality stars figure out how to be really valuable to their teams when their shot isn't falling and Tatum does not know how to do that. And Jalen Brown is a net negative when he doesn't have his shot falling. Um, 
So I agree, Justin. I wouldn't be surprised if they're two of the only players from this team remaining next year, but I'm beginning to wonder that like, I, I again, I just like reject the premise that they're like a point guard or, or a coach away. I'm going to have to double down on a take this summer. Cause we're going to have a long summer of takes, but like, I, I, there's something fundamentally wrong with how these two approach being the best players on their team. And either they don't know how to, it's either they can't share the mantle or they both have the same problem. I think it's both the same problem. I think they're both very talented and very emotional players who have not figured out how to play through negative emotion. And I don't think they help each other with that. I think they actually amplify that aspect of their personalities when they're on the court together. An important case. uh, One of the things that did that, I did notice quite often throughout this game was how much they were complaining to refs and that led to a few easy buckets for Miami that that's all it can take. And to your point, if one's doing it and you see the other one's doing it and that they just feed off of each other in that regard. But I don't mean to be cute with this transition, but it's about the time in the program that we would stop and talk about our friends over at BetterHelp. Um, Getting to know yourself can and is a lifelong process and People are always growing and changing. I mean, Kyle, I don't know that you know this, but like consistently I've said on this program that the Jays are young and I know that they've been in the league for a while and everyone says like, oh, they're they're ready, but they're not because for our listeners who are in their 20s, your brain goes through another puberty through your mid-20s. There's a reason NBA players peak at 27, 28. It's because your brain isn't done developing. I stopped being a mess of a human being at age 26. How old is Jalen Brown? 26. Yeah. No, anyone who's on the other side of that has experienced like, oh, I'm 30 and I'm way less of an idiot than when I was 25. Um, And that doesn't just happen because of brain chemistry. That happens because of determined person building and apps like BetterHelp can be really valuable for that. So per usual, we're really happy to have BetterHelp in our corner. And we think that if you're thinking of making a change or you're down in your luck, it's a place for you to to consider checking out. It's online, it's convenient, it's flexible, it's supposed to suit your schedule. So discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash selflab today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash selflab. I actually want to stick with that point. I think it, I can't move off of it. Um, there was a moment earlier in the season where Jalen was asked about previous transgressions. And he said, well, I was 24 then, I'm 26 now. And it was like, whoa, that was the most immature answer you could possibly have imagined. And uh, there- 700 days, man. 700 days changes everything. Maybe I, I just I, I think that there's an element that the Jays, because of this of the crazy Nets trade, they were really talented players thrust into a spotlight that is in age inappropriate because 25 year olds. I, I would have to look at the math, but I'm so confident that if there are 25 year old NBA Finals MVPs, those are the exceptions to the rule. To be fair, neither LeBron or Michael Jordan got as far in their careers in terms of the postseason um, until I think their age 26 season. So it's not it's not like they're on some like horrible age curve. Like the pressure that is kind of the unspoken elephant in the room is these new punitive changes to the CBA are going to impact the Celtics. We don't know exactly when. They definitely have one more season before they have to start worrying. They might have two. They don't have three. Yeah. And who knows what Jalen decides to do. It could be even less than that. No, I I just think that, I mean, the whole premise of like three of the episodes of The Last Dance was like Michael Jordan is too immature to win championships, but he has all the talent. And LeBron was 26 when the decision happened. So he was a year older than 
Jason Tatum is now. And I'm not saying that they are immature people, like they're bad for society or anything like that. But again, I'll use the example. Anyone who's of a certain age remembers what it was like to try to be a professional at your job when you were 25 or 26. There was just elements that you couldn't even conceive of putting together that when you got a few years older, it just something clicked. And part of that is brain chemistry. Certainly part, part of that is right mentorship and leadership. Um, but part of it is just where you're at in your journey. I, I think that there is something dangerous about NBA discourse around players because they're 19 when they enter the league. So by the time they're 26, they have been followed as NBA players for like a generation. But again, the history is not on their side that they're actually going to summit the mountain. So I, I have started the podcast saying, look, Jason and Jalen, you played like fools and they're right in that sweet spot where like you're kind of old enough that there's no excuse even though the biology and the history just suggest that like you could make an excuse for them um, tonight was just the most aggressive version of letting go like letting go of the rope isn't like a violent enough adage i i struggle to like find the language to to really describe what we saw here but burning was, the rope yeah burning the rope and then pissing on the ashes to quote shooter mcgavin um kyle how you feel <laughs> no i uh i legitimately so on the earlier point about you know again like they are really young the thing that i always try to remember is jason tatum went to a conference finals when he was a rookie mm-hmm. and like once that has been the bar that was set in your first season that kind of just becomes the bar from every year out i mean part of the reason why lebron eventually left cleveland was because the bar always got set to if you're not if he's not making the finals then it was a bust. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess just like to for tonight, I go I always go back to just again Grant Williams looking like the only player that really wanted to be out there and make an impact and make a difference. And I guess for the Jays, I would I would juxtaposition them again to a Jimmy Butler who's now thirty what thirty three thirty four right now. Like he's mentally he's there. Mm-hmm. And I guess that if that if there's one thing you would hope that the Jays take away from this series is look at that dude over there that's putting all the pieces together and just whipping you over and over. That's what you gotta. That's the level you gotta get to mentally. I mean, yeah. Jimmy Butler. This series has been pointed out in other reasons, but I'm gonna flip it on its head. Uh, Jimmy Butler faced a Boston Celtics team that was clearly far and away the better team. Uh, but even though he had a 2-0 lead over that team, ended up getting his and his team's butts kicked by that team, and now he's learned from that. One side thing, because I remember that series in particular, because that was the Chicago team that got in there uh, instead of the 30-11 Miami. Rajon Rondo got hurt after game two, and that did help as well. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Boston did seize on the moment. Yep. You still got to give him credit for that. Sorry, go ahead. No, it's true. Friend of the podcast and uh, Philly Wire, Sixers Wire, geez. Sixers Wire editor Kai Carlin texted me, I picked the Heat to win this series, but damn. <laughs> I think I might end on that note. Kyle, congratulations on your... The reason we're already writing an autopsy is because no NBA team has ever come back down 3-0. Four NHL teams have done it, including... Uh, the, Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Flyers at the hands of the Boston Bruins. Uh, a baseball team has done it. I think Celtics fans might be aware of that, but no one in the NBA has ever done it. Maybe three-point shooting creates enough variance that this is the moment, but 
I kind of fucking down it. So Kyle, congrats on your Miami Heat headed to the finals uh, as soon as Tuesday. But if not, game, game, whatever six or whatever, whatever horrible game would be after that would be Thursday. Um, plug your podcast and tell us how you're feeling. Uh, still feeling great. Job's not done yet, though. Uh, to your point, no one's come back from 03. So not to be too cocky, but like I'm thinking this more like, hey, how much rest can we get before the finals? But for me, myself, uh, you can I do Heaters Gonna Heat. I'm doing in the postseason podcast after every game the day after and then previews for the game after that. So if you want to jump along the journey for whatever reason, <laughs> feel mm-hmm. free to jump along um, off of Twitter. You can find me at Heaters Heating and at Kyle underscore V underscore Russell. Uh, do appreciate anything, any love you give my way. Again, I have a lot of respect for for the Celtics as a championship organization. I'll shoot on the Knicks, but Celtics, I'll give y'all respect. He's just saying that so people don't write him negative reviews out of out of scorn. They better not, man. They better <laughs> don't not. do that. Write <laughs> write us a goddamn review if you haven't already, please. Please, everything don't helps. Yeah, if you're gonna write Kyle one, you gotta write us one. Um, Kyle. I suspect we might not see you until the fall because I don't think that there's much left in this series, but who knows? Uh, Maybe Tuesday night. I don't think we have our affairs in order. I don't think we even have our emotional affairs in order, quite frankly. No. Um, All right. I'm going to think about the coaching thing. I I still agree with my point of view, but... uh, Watch the game. Watch. I'm not going to watch that game ever again in my life. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'll I'll unplug my TV before I watch this on ESPN Classics. I don't have any good advice. Let me be clear on that point. Uh, it's no save it for the off season. We have way too much time on our hands now. That's no, true. That's true. We'll do. If you want to hear if you want to hear Justin's fantastic takes on coaching, look out for Celtics Lab Summer 2023. It's going to be a longer one than expected. All right, like and subscribe. Adios. Bye.